It's you, it's me. Be the church. Well, good evening, Victory Church. Hello to everyone who's joining us online. Just want to say it's especially fun to introduce myself and hype myself up with that video because I definitely read that for you. <laughs> no, but um, my name is Haley, and I am one of the worship pastors here, and I have the honor of concluding our message series called Be the Church. And wow, I don't know about you, but I think this series has been so impactful. I hope that you are getting excited about what it means to actually be the church. And if you've missed any of the previous messages over the past couple weeks, I would encourage you to go back and listen because I think these messages truly have the potential to change the way you live your life every single day. If this is the first one you're hearing, listening with us um, today, then I pray that God speaks to you that he encourages your heart and shows you that you are here for a reason. You are here for a reason. Well, why don't we pray and get into the word of God. Jesus, we thank you so much for this opportunity to be gathered with your people. We thank you that you have called us, the church, to great things. We thank you that each one of us is here for a reason and we open our eyes, we open our ears, our hearts to what you are doing in this place, God. Would you speak to people's hearts? Change lives today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, who listening to this message has ever been on a team? If I don't see every hand, I'm going to be questioning some things. <laughs> All right. How many of you guys have done um, a group project? Maybe think back to your school days. All right. Who was the one who ended up having to do all of the work in the group project? Let me see. Uh-huh. And the people with your hands down are the ones who let them do that. Yeah? <laughs> well, when I was a senior in high school, I wasn't really a sporty kind of gal, but I was into music, and so wasn't on any sports teams, but um, was involved in orchestra and bands and things like that, and it was a lot of fun. Um, but no one in my school really knew that I sang. That was something that I just did in church. And so somehow, my dad found out that my school was having a battle of the bands, and he insisted that I participate in this battle of the bands. And I absolutely did not want any part <laughs> of this battle of the bands. I was shy. I didn't like putting myself out there like that. Believe it or not, I still don't. <laughs> um, but my dad said he would pay me a hundred bucks if I did the battle of the bands, <laughs> whether I wanted or not. And so I was like, all right, dad, I can do it for the bribe. Thank you. <laughs> So here we are, I'm signed up for the Battle of the Bands, and I start asking a few of my friends to be in this band with me. I'm filling all my spots, assembling my team, but I was a few players short, and specifically, I needed a bass player. We knew one at church, but I didn't know him personally. He was a little bit older than me, and I was way too shy to ask him. I was like, no way, I'm not asking this guy to be in my band. So without me knowing, my sister, that one right there, <laughs> my sister went to ask this guy to be in my band. He said yes. I was like, all right, fine, whatever. I'll accept because I needed a bass player. 
And so anyway, he comes and we do all the rehearsals. We get to the day of Battle of the Bands. And believe it or not, I had a blast. It was a really, really good time. We showed up, we swept the competition, and we won first place, which doubled my money because that was a $100 prize. <laughs> I'm actually not sure I ever got the bribe money from my dad on that, by the way, so it was all right, you know. <laughs> um, and the, even better than taking home that first place prize, I think this is kind of fun, that bass player that my sister forced into my band and that my dad made me build in the first place was the guy I ended up marrying. <laughs> and so because I had some pretty awesome people in my life who encouraged me to use my gifts, my talents, to do something, even when it really intimidated me, it scared me so much, I actually walked away from that experience with more confidence in the giftings that I had and with some pretty great new relationships, including the start of my very own family. <laughs> But you see, we, you and I, you and me, we are on a much better team than that one. We are on a team better than any of those school projects or sports teams or office project teams that you are on. We are on the greatest and probably longest lasting team that has ever existed, and that is the church. And in this team, we share a purpose. Last week, we heard all about what we do as a church. The church is as the church does, we heard. A disciple is as a disciple does. We're to make disciples, to baptize, to teach, and to go. And we're not on our own in that mission. It is a shared mission, a shared purpose. Today, we're going to look at a short passage of scripture in Hebrews. And the book of Hebrews, it's a letter, most likely was written to Jewish Christians, not too much later after Jesus' death and resurrection. So they're still pretty closely tied to Judaism, but they're learning about what it actually means to follow Jesus, to be a Christian. If you've ever tried to read through Hebrews, it's full of language and imagery that doesn't immediately seem to relate to us. It talks a lot about sacrifice rituals and the temple and priestly duties and all this stuff that seems so irrelevant to what we're doing today as Christians. But when you begin to understand the message that the author of Hebrews is trying to get across, it's beautiful and it's timeless. The writer is helping this community grapple with questions like, what does a community centered around Christ really look like? What even is a Christian life? What does Christ's sacrifice mean for us with how we engage with one another as Jesus' followers? And I hope these are the same questions that you and I are asking ourselves today. With this in mind, this Christ-centered community, let's take a look at Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. I'm sure you've heard this before. It's a good one. It says, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Here's what I want you to notice first. In our shared mission, we are encouraging one another toward two things. Let's check out verse 24 again. It says, consider 
how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Love and good deeds. The first central part of our mission as a church is to love. Over the past few weeks, we've been looking at this passage in, in Matthew, and we've heard it called the Jesus Creed. So let's reread that. It pictures this so perfectly. It says, Matthew 22, 37 to 40. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. And this kind of love, you see, it's a community activity. The word for love that's used in the Hebrews passage, love and good deeds, is agape. It's a love that's not self-seeking. It's a love whose model is Jesus and the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross for others, for us. So unlike other good things, other virtues like faith or hope, this kind of love can only be practiced in community, in relationship with other people. It's a love that's outwardly focused. So without our family of believers around us, we can't even participate in one of those two major things listed. We can't participate in this kind of love without the people around us. And beyond that, we are meant to help each other to love. The second thing that we're moving towards as a team are good deeds. When we choose to accept and follow Jesus, we are choosing to step into the work God has prepared for us. We're not saved by our good works. Don't get that confused. We are saved for good works that God has prepared for us. Ephesians 2.10 puts it so well. It says, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. From the very beginning, God had good things, good works, good plans in mind for you, but not just good things to happen to you, good things for you to do, good things for you to engage in. One scholar says this, through the offering of Christ's sinless body on the cross, we have been set apart for the work of God in the world. No longer do we obey the dictates of our selfish natures, alienated from God. In Christ, our lives have been surrendered to his use and we belong to him. Because of Christ, we have access to God. It's drawing back to all that Hebrews language of priests and their duties and all of that. We have access to the most intimate of places where only the priests could go before Jesus to participate in priestly duties, which includes serving and making sacrifices. When we are filled with Christ, we'll see the needs of those around us, and it will result as one author wrote, I love this, it will result because we are so filled with Christ and committed to the work that he's given us, it will result in outbursts of love and good works. We won't be able to contain it. It'll burst forth from our being when we submit to the work that God has called us to. And God, he didn't leave us hanging to just, oh, you guys, good luck with that. Do all the love, do all the good works. 
I'm out. No, he had a plan for us to be able to do these things, not just by his spirit, but with each other, with one another. We're first worshipers, we're a family, we have a mission, and we're intended to work that mission together, to encourage one another in all of this. If any of you are still thinking that maybe I can do a lot of this on my own, I'm pretty good at making the people around me feel good and then going off and doing my own thing. I'm pretty good at helping someone out and then just doing it on my own. Nobody needs to know. That's okay. Sure, it's good to do those things on your own, but I want to remind you that our mission is a joint effort. And unless we're doing it together, we're not fulfilling the mission. Ephesians 4.16 says, From him, Jesus, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, it grows and it builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Every single one of us, you, me, each one here in this place, each one watching online, you are called to play a part in God's plan. And God's plan is the church. We are on a team. We have coaches who are your pastors and your leaders who are gonna help you out. But unless we play the game, there will be no game. If we show up, to a church service every weekend on Thursday. If we listen to the sermon as a podcast and uh, we, we show up on Sunday mornings, but we listen and then we leave every week and kind of try to be nice or whatever, it's kind of like we're going into the locker room, getting that pep talk from our team captain or our coach, but never actually getting out on the field. We're never leaving the locker room. But church is designed to be done together. Our mission is made to be done together. That's why when we do things like baptisms um, or child dedications, we do these covenants together. It's not just for the people getting baptized or dedicating their children. We actually make promises as a community to uphold our fellow believers. And I will be back up here next Sunday to dedicate my own baby because I want to formally initiate my son into a community like this one so that he will grow up with people around him who encourage him to be more like Christ every day, to step out into the gifts that God has given him. <laughs> and I'm excited to do that because I know people like you, you are gonna commit to upholding him just as we're committing to uphold you. We are called to participate in this community. If we look back at Hebrews 10, 24, let's just reread again. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. A core belief we have here at Victory, and if you've done growth track recently, you'll probably be fresh in your mind. It says, as disciples growing together, we are always considering how to help each other grow. One devotional teaches that the word consider means to give careful attention. He then asked a question that I want to pose to you right now. He said, how many of us really give thought to how we can spur others on? 
When was the last time you walked into church and looked at the people around you and thought, how can I help them do what they're called to do? This is for you. This isn't just for your pastors and your leaders, your team leaders to encourage you and lift you up as much as we're here to do that. This is something that you are meant to do. When he says, consider one another, this is the only, um, one of the only places that the author of Hebrews uses the expression to mean each other, mutual activity, where believers will encourage one another, not where they're being directed to do something by a leader. It's for each one of us. The word spur here. If you hear spur, you think about the spurs and boots, kicking a horse, getting to go fast, right? It's an irritation, an exasperation, not really a pleasant thing. But here, it is used as a positive expression. And why might that be? The goal of the church, that's us, remember, the goal of the church is not to just consume and learn. It is to come, consume, learn, but then to be equipped to further the gospel and to participate in the mission. For each person to be equipped to use the gifts that God has given them in the body of Christ and to impact their world with the gospel. In some ways, it is our job. It is our job to make each other a little bit uncomfortable. Instead of living that comfortable locker room Christianity where we're sitting back and we're saying, yes, I love this. I feel so encouraged right now. Go team. And just chilling in the locker room. (laughs) We have to be willing to motivate our teammates to use the gifts God has given them, both in the body of Christ and in their world. And if you see your neighbor spending a lot of time in the locker room. (laughs) We're called to encourage them to get up and play the game. (laughs) That's a part of what we're to do for one another. Now, how many of you have had a good teammate when you were working on something? Have you had a good one? You thought, oh, we're really uh, sharing our fair share of the load here. It's good, yeah. Okay, how many of you have had a bad one? Yeah, uh uh-huh. Those are a little more memorable, right? (laughs) Yeah. So the way, the method that we use to encourage and equip to spur one another on, it matters a lot. The way we present this encouragement matters so much. So if we're going to get out on the field and encourage our teammates to keep playing with us, how can we do that? One, we can model it. Galatians 2.10 says, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who are in the family of believers. Consider one another. Look around. Do you know the needs of the person next to you? Life groups are starting soon. You'll have the opportunity to look in a little more smaller setting. (laughs) Do you know the needs of the people in your groups? Do you know the needs of the people on your teams? We need to look to see people, to notice their needs, and to do good works. Let it burst out of you. And as people see you loving others and doing these good works, they're going to be inspired to do the same thing for others. 
It compounds and compounds and compounds. Two, we can call it out. Encourage the gifts that you see in other people. I'm only here and doing this because someone saw something in me that I was either I didn't see yet or I was too scared to step out in on my own. When I was 14 years old, one of our leaders here at church saw me, saw that I was involved in a lot of music things at school and um, that there was an opportunity for me to use that gift in the body of Christ. And they invited me to join the youth worship team and I did it. And, you know, if they hadn't called me out to do that, there's no way I would be doing what I'm doing today. Even coming from a family in ministry, it took someone else seeing a gift in me, seeing potential in me, and inviting me to do it, even though I knew the opportunity was there. It took that invitation for me to step out and to eventually step into what God had called me to do. And that's a story you can hear over and over and over. Practically, this is for you to walk away with. I want you guys to try this this week with someone you know. Somebody you know from church. Have an I see and you conversation. If you've been around Victory for a while, you'll know we'd love to talk about I see and you conversations. What is it? All right, it's an encouraging and specific observation. You notice a gift, a heart, a skill, a talent, an attitude, and you bring that to them with an action step. I believe you should consider blank. So, hmm, who do we have? Who do we have? All right, Emily, Emily, I see you here. Hey, Emily, (laughs) I see that you always walk in with a smile and you notice when other people are on their own or don't have someone to talk to. I see that that is an awesome skill that you have. I'd like to encourage you to consider becoming a greeter. (laughs) If anyone knows Emily, she already does well more than that. (laughs) But it's a great place to start. See something in someone. See an opportunity where they can use their gifts for the body of Christ and invite them to step into it. You know, um, over our past series, The Empowered Church, we had um, getvictory.net slash serve. And that is always open. There are teams you can check out and invite someone to. If you are already on a team and you think someone would be good for it, invite them. Maybe they are waiting for your ask to step into what God is already prompting in their heart. Who do you need to invite to serve today? I challenge you to do it. Simple text, quick phone call, a little hallway conversation could change someone's life forever. We can help other people see their gifts and use their gifts that God has given them. Three, we can remind people. See, this kind of encouraging one another, spurring one another on to love and good works, it's not just for good moments, for mountaintop highs when things are going super well. We don't just go, yay, team, everything is great, keep going. We encourage when things are not going well. We encourage when things are hard and everything is seeming to coming against you and you wanna just fall back from the church. We encourage one another to get through it. 
The Hebrews in this context were coming into a time of really intense persecution. And he is calling them to remind each other of God's past faithfulness, his goodness. We have his word to see that. We have testimonies in our own lives to see his faithfulness and to remind of the future hope that we have in Jesus, the hope that we have that all will be made right as we see the day approaching. But you know, we're not gonna see this church's mission fulfilled. We're not gonna be encouraged by each other's actions or equipped for ministry or spurred to continue on if we don't gather together. Let's circle back to our passage in Hebrews 10, 24. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Don't give up meeting together. In this context, some were drawing back to Judaism. It was hard in a time of persecution where Christianity wasn't accepted in either the the Greek society or the Jewish society. Um, And so it was hard to continue in that Christian life that they were working out together. It was easier to either shrink back and separate yourself from the publicness, publicity of Christianity, or from maybe what was comfortable. It was easier to maybe trust in the works of the law rather than the works of Christ to save us. We know, though, we're not saved by good works. It's for good works. Why do we withdraw from the church? Maybe it is because it's convenient to stay home. It's hard to get here after work. It's hard to wake up early on a Sunday. Maybe you've been hurt by someone and you don't want to face them. Or maybe you just don't care enough. Maybe it doesn't mean enough. But when you withdraw from what God has called you to do and be in the church, you're missing out on a big part of what God intends for you. And it discourages other people from stepping out into what God has called them to do. There are some people who can't do it without you. I read this quote and it got me in the gut. (laughs) It says, when you step back from his church, that in effect, You're telling God that his gifts provided at such a cost to his son are not worth the temporary deprivations and hostility of sinners. That the promise is not worth the perseverance. The promise isn't worth the perseverance. That's not the Jesus I know. The promise is worth everything. When we commit to engaging in church and to being a part of this community, we honor Jesus' sacrifice for us. He gave everything to establish the church, establish this church. 
And being the church is submitting ourselves to God's plans rather than creating our own way. It's taking up the cross. And this might feel isolating. People might not understand your neighbors, your family, your friends, your coworkers, your classmates. They might not understand why you choose to do what you do, why you choose to spend every week in church, why you get your whole family up early and ready and go through all the things you go through to be with the body of Christ, but Jesus gets it. He gets isolation, he gets sacrifice, and he has given us this family to encourage one another to continue, to continue to choose him and his body, his family, to continue to walk out our purposes, to continue to encourage one another to walk out our purposes, and all the more as we see the day approaching. See, the Christian walk, the Christian life is a life of changed and changing still. Yes, we are saved. The work is done on the cross. But every day we are being saved again and again by Jesus as he makes us more like him. It's not a one and done decision. It's a continuous choice to walk with Jesus and to grow and to be more like him, to participate fully in what God has called us to do. I want to build what Christ is building. I want to build what Christ is building. I want to see the church, you. I want to see you thrive because I believe in Jesus, in what he has done, in what he is going to do, what he has called you to. I want to build the church because I believe Jesus has plans for you. If you're joining us online right now and you're physically able or you're in the area, I encourage you right now to make a plan to join us in person because gathering with his people gives you the opportunity to be encouraged until the end. When you walk away from this series, I hope that you leave knowing with a deep sense of knowing that Christ and his church is the plan for the world. And you are called to participate in that plan. You belong here. You were made to be here. You were made to be the church. And some of you here joining us online might not be part of this community yet. Maybe you've not accepted Jesus yet. You haven't told him that you want to be a part of this family. Well, tonight, today I want to give you the opportunity to do just that. If you haven't made a decision to follow Jesus, I'm going to pray a prayer right now, and I want you to repeat back after me. And church, this is an opportunity for us to encourage others in stepping towards Jesus Christ. So that's why we pray out loud when we pray these prayers. We support people who are entering in for the first time. We're encouraging them, making them feel safe as they make this decision because we know it is a good one. So I'm gonna pray a prayer right now. And if you're accepting Jesus for the first time, repeat after me and everyone else, let's encourage as we pray along. Dear Jesus, we thank you so much that you died so that I could have life. We thank you, Lord, for your church, for a place where I can belong and a place where I can find purpose. Today, Jesus, 
I turn away from my old life and I choose to step into what you've called me to. My life is yours. Use me, change me, and make me more like you. I am now a believer, and Jesus, you're alive in me. In his name we pray, amen. Amen. Thank you so much. If you made that decision, someone's going to come and tell you what your next steps are, but you're here. You're now part of this church, and you're in on this plan. You're in on this mission, and God has great things in store for you. Are you ready to step forward, church? Are we ready to spur one another on? Amen. Amen.